It's the Spud Goodman Happy Hours. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud Goodman. <laughs> Spud Goodman. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show podcast. It's very nice of you to spend a moment with us, you know, hopefully longer than 15 to 20 seconds. But, you know, uh, a download's a download. We already got that in the bank. So thank you. Uh, On this one, we will be revisiting the abstinence episode number 95, and it features actor, writer, director, producer, and quite possibly still the world champion in coolness, Mr. John Waters. Yep, we spoke with him. And later in this episode, I had a very interesting conversation with actor-director Colin Hanks, the son of Tom Hanks. He's been in some some great productions like Fargo, Elvis and Nixon, Dexter, to name just a few. But we talked about the first film he directed back in late 2015, the documentary All Things Must Pass, The Rise and Fall of Tower Records. And I don't know about you listeners out there, but Tower Records was a sacred place back in the day, and I miss it dearly. Uh, you know, and if you haven't caught this film, you should still check it out. Uh, and also, I need to say our musical guest is The Rallies. Uh, so I need to introduce now our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Can you give us a decent chortle, if you would? <laughs> oh, not bad, if I do say so myself. Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, okay. And, and now I'm required to acknowledge my temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Go ahead and acknowledge my acknowledgement. I, I mean, it's only right. Yeah, you know, go ahead and acknowledge my acknowledgement. Okay, okay. Uh, can I first say hello to our listeners? Uh, you know what? I feel like I'm being rushed a bit here. Um, that's my job to say hello to the listeners. Uh, well, you know, I just need to keep things moving along. And you historically have been, you know, quite often a momentum stopper. I think one email I read recently called you white noise. And, and as the whitest person I have ever met, I think his description was apt. Yes! I never saw any email that called me white noise. That That is very insulting. Can I see that email? No, it's in my Gerald Holcomb folder, and I, I've been accumulating it over the years. It's, it's pretty. see it. There's a whole lot of stuff in it. But, and just, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. Just in case I'll need it, uh, should you ever pursue legal action against me for some stupid reason, it's my ace in the hole lawsuit-wise. Spud. I have no plans to sue you for mistreatment on the job. Yep, I mean, well, not currently. Uh, well, yes, th- there were a few occasions over the years where I was very tempted to take action. But y- you know what? Our close friendship always prevented it. I think we're more co-workers than close friends. But well, sounds like you made the right decision anyway. Okay, now I need to introduce our intern, Chance. Yes, you know, some say he was the best thing on our old radio show. I haven't heard much praise so far, you know, about him on this podcast, though. You know, Chance, maybe you have turned off, you know, turned your fans off by now. I'm thinking that it's a possibility. And I, and I have returned to my rightful place as the most popular person on this production. I mean, it makes sense as I am the host. And that's important. Yeah, I don't think you grasp millennials and Generation Zers. We don't value old things that have already served their purpose. I don't want to insult you, Spud, but I gotta believe your expiration date has already occurred career-wise. You're kinda a dead man walking, you know. Oh, honey, be nice. No need to mock Spud. He's struggling enough these days. You know, losing the prestige of once having his own radio show for years? And now reduced to hosting this little podcast, let him retain just a bit of his dignity. Yeah, you're right, Dorothy. I should just take the high road. Yeah, and that dead man walking quip was uh, just uncalled for. Anyway, thank you for the moral support, though, Aunt Dorothy. Uh, But you kind of make me sound to be sort of pitiful. Not a joke. Well, um... Oh, can can we just change the subject? 
Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, we're going to play the first part of the abstinence episode now. Uh, I, at the time, was kind of fixated on former Seattle Seahawks you know, quarterback Russell Wilson's position on premarital sex that he posted quite often back then, you know, on social media. I just couldn't figure it out. He had just started dating Sierra, his now wife of like seven years. And he said then that he would not sleep with her until after the wedding. You know, I have no inside information that he did not follow through with his stated plan, but I still to this day have a hard time believing he actually pulled that off. It sounded more like a PR thing, you know, trying to play to the Amish population. There are all kinds of perversions. Well, as I said then on the abstinence episode, I believed Russell as he is a godly man who always does the right thing. I mean, yeah, he has done some amazing things in the community and not just his work with Children's Hospital here in Seattle for years and now in Denver at the Children's Hospital there. He's donated a ton of money over the years, too. But for some reason, he's always given off that Eddie Haskell vibe. Hey, this is Ken Osman, Eddie Haskell. And I can't believe I've actually made the Spud Goodman show. I've made it. I'm a top star now. You know, tr trying to be like way, way, way too sincere, kind of fake nice. I mean, that doesn't take away all of his involvement in the community, uh, you know, the great work. But if he just took it down a notch or two, he'd be much more likable, uh, both in the locker room and off the field. But anyway, his take on abstinence before marriage got this whole show in motion. So, Dave, run the intro section of that episode. So on that note, I'm referring to the topic of romantic liaisons. Oh. Uh, I don't know how you say that last word. Uh, I think that's how you say it. I, I, I wanted to right toss now. this out tonight because I read another story about Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks for those listening on other planets. Uh, his deal with his girlfriend, R&B singer Sierra, he has a rather unique take on dating. Mm -hmm. uh, for those not aware, it includes no sex until marriage. Yeah, yeah. Courtney, Chloe... You know, I, I've read those stories myself, but very inspiring, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, I suppose, but doesn't it seem like a little strange to you? He, he seems like well, a great guy, yeah. does everything the right way, but his take on the sex thing is seems like a little thing, a little bit out of like the 19th century. Oh, is that maybe but earlier? Adult abstinence is the right way to go until marriage. I highly recommend it myself. Yeah, I, as I totally my agree for people under 18 or 19, but for us adults, that's like buying bowling shoes without trying them on first, and then you can't buy another pair of bowling shoes the rest of your life. You, you, know, you know, I'm starting to get into bowling. I haven't really hmm. shared that with you, but and if you're interested, you well, probably ask me, you know, what I've been up to lately. But bowling is good, wholesome fun. Yes, but absolutely. Uh, to respond to your point about abstinence being outdated in today's culture, I couldn't disagree more. You know, when Russell Wilson finally does tie the knot with Sierra, it will be worth the wait. Let me tell you. Yeah, and maybe a really, really quick letdown too. That's a possibility. Oh, I can tell you that my wife and I had an amazing wedding night. No, no, I won't go thank, into detail. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't need uh, to hear that. Well, well, listen. Everything we it was everything we both dreamt about and so much more. I'll tell you that this. That was sort of funny. Okay, no, I don't we... really feel comfortable with this conversation. Like I said earlier, I stand by my position to this day. Yeah, and so do I. It's really weird if you ask me. As I shared on a previous podcast episode, Dorothy and I sort of have an agreement that we'll hold off on the final act until our wedding night. I mean... We still mess around a bit. Uh, is it okay if I say that, Dorothy? Well, I would prefer you wouldn't. But if you want to share it, go ahead, I guess. Well, I was just saying that we have agreed to put off the really fun stuff until after the wedding, but it still gets a bit heated at times, so, you know, I'm no Russell Wilson. Well, that's comforting to hear, I guess, as I remain quite distressed that maybe one day if this marriage thing really happens, you know, that's, that's thank you for yeah, updating me, you know, but I think that you would just be too much for her. Okay. You know, basically a kid full of out of control hormones. I, I just, I'm not sure that I don't want my, okay, I'm just going to say it. I don't want my aunt sleeping with a 22 year old uh, you know, at your, I, just, I just don't feel good about it, you know? Okay, I just said it. There. Yeah. <clears throat> well, 
no need at all to worry about me, Spud. Gosh, Chance and I are very compatible in all phases of our relationship. Well, you know, all I can say is if I was sleeping with a 22-year-old woman right now, it would kill me for sure. So I'm just saying that, but whatever. All right, right now, uh, I want to play a, a recorded song from a prior guest, uh, actor-musician Jeff Daniels. Uh, I don't normally play recorded music from our old radio show on this podcast. Uh, I just focus on the live musical guests in the studio. But, you know, this one aired on this particular episode, and it was really special to me. So Dave hit it. Hey, this is a song by a recent guest we uh, had on our show, actor-musician Jeff Daniels. Oh, yeah. He wrote this song about his dog, Fred, who passed away a while ago. And, and as you know, uh, my dog, Fred, died uh, this year. I remember. So the song gets to me, okay? I've been playing it a lot lately. I mean, I got another dog, Homer, from Posado's Safe Haven, but uh, I still miss Fred a lot. I have his ashes, you know, by the way, in a yes, box near I his old that. pillow. That's yeah. my, that could be a little strange, but who, who cares, right? Anyway, so here's Jeff Daniels with uh, my old dog, Fred, performed live at the Purple Rose Theater in the state of Michigan. Again, hit play, please. Hi, this is Jeff Daniels. I'm on the Smud Goodman Show, and here's my song, My Old Dog Fred. Had me a dog, well, I named him Fred. He lived a long time and now he's dead He was my old dog Fred Old dog Fred He had two bum legs and too many toes As far as I was concerned he was the best in show He was my old dog Fred Old dog Fred You know how they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Came to my old Fred He may have been broke, but there was nothing I'd fix Every time I fed him I was aiming to please I topped his perina with some Parmesan cheese He was my old dog Fred Old dog Fred when it came to marking trees, well, he just couldn't wait. I hope he ain't pissing on them pearly gates. He was my old dog, friend. Old dog, friend. You know how they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks? To my old friend He may have been broke But there was nothing I'd fix Saying goodbye to my old dog Fred Old dog Fred I know it ain't over and it's never the end Cause I'm sure the good Lord got himself a new best friend In my old dog Fred Old dog Fred Goodman Radio Show. Uh, you were a bit behind schedule, but I had to put that song in. You know, I will never forget my dog, Fred, uh, for sure. Uh, okay. Okay. Now we're going to, 
go to my interview with uh, an icon of pop culture, uh, one of a kind man, actor, writer, director, producer, Mr. John Waters. Dave? All right, please give a warm welcome to director, writer, actor, screenwriter, author, stand-up comedian, and a bunch of other things, too, but I have to get this dang interview started. Mr. John Waters, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? Pretty pretty decent. Um, well, you know, you, as I stated in, in, in my intro, you, you're a man of uh, many hats. You, you do so many different things. As, as an author, uh, what do you do uh, as the author, John Waters, if the film director, John Waters, is interested in optioning like one of your works? Do you take yourself out to a nice lunch and negotiate? How do you, how do you handle that? Well, I mean, I have agents for every single part of my life, but I've always been a writer. That's what it should say on my tax form, because I write all my movies, I write my spoken words, you know, I write my books. So basically, I like to think up the ideas. That's the most fun. So you're saying, how do I do it? Well, I have agents. I have a book agent. I have a movie agent. I have a promoter that does this Christmas tour. So, um, but I used to do it myself. In the very beginning, when I was young, I would put the films in the trunk of my car and drive around the country and, and rent a little theater for a midnight show and stand out with the vinyl in the corner giving out flyers. So I learned the hard way. I'm, I'm a carny. Nice, super. Well, you're also a very uh, well-known art collector. Have you come across anything interesting lately as, uh, as I know you have some of the coolest stuff around? Well, I, I like art. I, I bought a painting uh, recently that was just mold, and you had to spray it and everything, and it was the best art because it could wreck your house, it could kill you, it could disappear, it was ugly, and it was expensive. Everything contemporary art should be. Super. Um, well, as, as one who grew up in the 50s and personally witnessed uh, overt bigotry directed at the gay community, are you surprised the majority of people in this country have in large part, made, you know, kind of moved on beyond their long-held opposition to marriage equality for all citizens? I mean, Kim Davis and most Republican presidential candidates aside. Yeah. Um, am I surprised? I think the reason everybody changed, even Republicans don't use that as a, a big deal anymore, because when everybody came out, they realized it was in their family. It was people, it was beyond politics. It was beyond race, their mother, their father, even their mother and father could have been gay. So I think when, when they realized how close it was to home, everybody realized it's really hard to find somebody to fall in love with, no matter what your sexual goal is. And, and I think the one thing people always say, like, oh, it's a choice. Well, some life it was. You know, I suppose it's not like a bar mitzvah you get to celebrate. But it was, suppose it was a choice. But even though I know it isn't, because ask any Alzheimer's worker, they'll tell you that everybody in that clinic forgets every single thing, but they don't forget if they're gay or straight. Yeah, well stated. I just wrote that down. All right. Well, speaking of Republicans, if Divine were still with us today, what do you think would be her fashion take on Caitlyn Jenner? Because she sure isn't doing this half-ass. He's all in with his high, high-end design. Well, I think, you know, Divine would be very different. Divine was not transgendered at all. Divine right. never right. had any desire to be a woman. He wanted to pass as a monster. Right. And, and I think Divine and I would have been more celebrating Chelsea Manning. Okay. Because Chelsea Manning, in prison, forced the government to get him to have sexual reassignment. So I think that is braver to me. I'm, I'm Caitlin, what, what, what she's doing is great. It's, it's setting an example for everybody. To me, though, I, I had a transgendered woman in Pink Flamingos in 1972, Elizabeth Coffey, who, who has a great comic, very brave scene in that movie. So um, to me, the transgendered men are a little more interesting to me today because I, I, they're amazing to me they look like men I think look really cute so I'm all for Chaz Bono well there you go yeah I was just saying on my own take on the fashion thing I was much more into, into Divine's taste I guess I don't know I, I just thought uh, I just like the way she dressed let's put it that way well Divine broke every rule because when we were young drag queens which was Divine would proudly say he was one were, were wanted to be Miss America or their mothers or Beth Meyerson you know Divine wanted carried a chainsaw and put fake scars on his face and other drag queens ran in fear from him and I think today all drag queens are pretty hip my favorite drag name is Eureka Franklin. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we've got... It is. Excuse me, Spud. Yes? Who is this divine you just mentioned, if, if I could ask? Well... Is, is she a movie star? Because I don't think I've heard her name. Uh, he played a drag queen in many of John's he, films. I mean, you must have seen him in Pink Flamingos. He's a legend from that movie alone, as he actually ate... No, I don't believe I've heard of that movie. Now, who were his co-stars? Maybe I'd recognize them. Well... Oh, Mink Stole, and of course, the one and only Edith Massey as the Egg Lady. You do know who she is, right? 
the egg lady. Did, yeah. she, did she play someone in the poultry industry? No, not exactly. Well, you know you're not in the demographic I, for John's early films, but I bet even you have seen Hairspray, right? I'm going to ask him about that movie right now if you just pipe down. Hairspray? Now, I'm not familiar with that one either. Why don't I Google that divine and egg lady while you're trying to talk to John? Uh, the wife and I will try to find that Pink Flamingos on HBO this weekend. Uh, you know, she loves a good movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do that. <sighs> okay, John, I, I'm sorry for that brief interruption. I'm back. I'm ready for you. All right. Um, as a filmmaker, uh, how weird is it after making Hairspray, as it did pretty well, but later seeing the Broadway play version make like over $200 million? Did you see that coming? Well, um, yes, I was involved with it, and, and I have a little percentage, so I definitely saw it coming. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, I learned so much about that, working with all those people on that Broadway show. It was, it was uh, you know, obviously one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, well, yeah. Um, well... Let me ask you this. You've influenced many, many people in the film world, but you yourself have cited The Wizard of Oz as a big influence on you. That might surprise some, but, you know, to me, that, I mean, that, that movie still creeps me out to this day. I, I, I mean, I love it, and, and I'm scared of it, and, and I'm a grown-up. Well, the scariest scene, don't you believe where children go the most crazy, is when the app, when the trees come to life and yes. start slapping them and picking the apples off them. That really freaks kids out. But kids are very cool today. I asked this child recently if he liked The Wizard of Oz, and he said to me, as the ultimate smartass, he said, no, I didn't like it that much. Basically, it's just walking. I thought, oh, my God, that's a really good, bad review. So this kid's going to be the new John Simon. He's going to be the meanest film critic ever. Well, to me, Margaret Hamilton is way scarier, scarier than Linda Blair and The Exorcist or that shark in Jaws or anything like that. Oh, and to me, that's why I hated Wicked. They made my childhood idol, the Wicked Witch, an ingenue. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Spud, I could jump in here if you're going to discuss The Wizard of Oz, as the family and I watch that movie a few times a year. We have a tape of it. Oh, that's nice, but I'm moving on to another topic. You oh. know... I'm not letting you in this conversation, right? You get this. I hope we're not going to double-team John here. I'm almost done with the interview, so please follow the physician's code of conduct. You know, the one that goes, at least do no harm. But you finally bring up a movie that I'm familiar with, and, and I'm locked out of the discussion. Yep. And that will also be the last reference to any movie you probably have heard of. So zip it and let me finish up here. You know, if you want to be like that, okay. But you would just be amazed at what I could bring to your interviews if you just give me the chance. Dude, if I want to be amazed, I will check out a solar eclipse or an elephant giving birth. I'm going back in with this thing, so keep it down. Hey, John, now that, that's the last interruption, I promise. Uh, that's fine. So where did I leave off? Okay, uh... Well, you know, John, you've given commencement speeches at colleges in the past. And what, what's your view of the current PC vibe on campuses these days? A lot of stand-up comedians won't even work colleges anymore. Do I know, but I think I am politically correct. And I, I think all life, my whole life has been a trigger warning. Um, I, I, I think you, I thought you went to college to be challenged. Um, to me, nobody gets mad anymore. And I say completely ludicrous stuff. Um, I don't know. I think because I'm not mean. And I think technically I am politically correct. Even if I ask inappropriate questions and ask you, like in my Christmas show, to come into a world you might be a little uncomfortable with. But if I'm your guide, I think people feel safe. All right, super. So, John, your book, Carsick, was very well received. Uh, I have to say it's, it was quite a unique approach to uh, research and putting the thing together. How did you come up with that idea? Well, first of all, I was, everybody was so terrified I was going to hitchhike across the country except me. So I thought, well, I'd better think up the very best that could happen and then the very worst. And I wrote all the fictional parts before I really did it. And uh, so to me, I would recommend hitchhiking home tonight. Do it for Christmas. Hitchhike home for Christmas. It's green. It's better than grinder. Uh, you don't have to spend money on gas. You might meet somebody new. And, uh, and, and, and you might have somebody else at Christmas. So I'm saying hitchhike this Christmas. It's a good present. Wow, all right. Passing that on to our listeners. Super. Uh, well, last question, John. What's been your most memorable moment away from show business? Is there anything come to mind? Oh, 
definitely my private life. You know, I, I definitely have a private life. Um, my friends I've had for 50 years. Uh, I think, uh, I don't trust people that haven't had friends for a long time. That's your sanity. That's where you go. I mean, this is what I'm doing right now. Is, is work. You know, I like it. I, I like my career. I'm proud of it. But I also don't work seven days a week. I have a private life. I have friends that are not in show business. So I think that's what I treasure the most. Nice. My friends. All right, super. All right, so, so John, I really want to thank you so much for, for calling into our show and visiting with us. Uh, thank was, you. I'm looking forward to coming back to Seattle. There you have it, the legendary John Waters. Thank you. Babs, where do eggs come from? From little chickens, Mama. They lay them and we eat them. But suppose someday there weren't any chickens. Would that mean there wouldn't be any eggs? Oh, I don't think you have to worry about that, Mama. But... But is it true, Babs? If there weren't any chickens, there wouldn't be any eggs. Is that true? <laughs> I suppose so, Mama, but there will always be chickens. You can be sure of that. But suppose someday it happens. Suppose someday there weren't any chickens. Oh, Babs, what could I possibly do? And then the egg man wouldn't have... He wouldn't have a job? It might happen, Babs. What could I do? Now, Mama, that's just egg paranoia. I think you're being very silly. There will always be chickens. Why, there are so many chickens now that we can eat some and let some of them live in order to supply us with eggs. Chickens are plentiful, Mama. The world will never be without chickens. You can be sure of that. Of course, that last clip was from the 1972 classic groundbreaking film, Pink Flamingos, and you heard Divine with Edith Massey, the egg lady, in that scene. It's a must-see movie, especially if you're burned out watching superheroes, comic book characters, and fast cars right now. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, now we're going to move on to our segment with the musical guest, the Rallies, who performed live in our studio. Dave, uh, run it. Musical guest interview time. Please welcome our musical guest tonight. They are the Rallies. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Please out yourselves publicly by disclosing your identity and also the instrument you'll be playing here. Jeff Reiner, lead guitar. Steve Davis, vocals and rhythm guitar. Lee Brown, vocals and drums. Rick Jones, bass vocals. All right, super. I don't know if you guys have been listening to the show so far tonight, but we've, we've been touching on what just might be a new trend sweeping the nation, adult abstinence. It's not for everyone. I, I know for a fact it's not even for me, for sure, but what's the band's position on the topic? Rick? Uh, I would say, you know, that it's perfectly okay, but you really have to watch the carpal tunnel syndrome. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. All right, super. Well, does anyone in the band know anything about curling? Because I've never played, but I'm looking for someone to teach me how to curl. It looks like fun. I just don't know anyone who's ever played it, so I'm asking all any new people I come across if they know anything about it. Uh, I know that you have to sweep a bunch. It's pretty cold. Okay, can we talk later, though? Because... I'm serious. I'm going to give curling a shot. Ah, uh, sure. All right, yeah. super. Hey, off the record, what is the most embarrassing album or CD each of you have at your place or in your car right now? I, this won't go any further, and I'll go first. I myself own a couple White Snake CDs. <laughs> uh, I have a Partridge Family album. Oh, nice. That's cool. I had a crush on Danny Bonaducci. I love it. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's that's not that's not embarrassing. I love those guys. I still, I, my gosh. I think I've still got some MC Hammer in my list. Okay, and we can move on then. All right, what's the name of the first song you guys are going to do? Every Now and Then. All right, let's do it. Every Something comes along Never know just when Takes you by
is the Spud Goodman Show. All right, we're back. And up next on this autopsy of the abstinence episode, first broadcast in November of 2015, is a phone segment with my late mother, Safola. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's the height of nepotism to continue to let my mom come on the show, you know, back then. But I mean, what was I going to do? In a blocker? Uh, I mean, she would never let that happen. And the price would have been enormous. Uh, you know, she would have made my life an even bigger hell than it was at that time. But that being said, I really, really miss her I, a lot. Uh, yeah, every time I hear these segments from the past. Uh, Dave, runner call. Uh, Spud. Yeah. Yes. Well, once again, your mother is calling. Okay. I, I know you have to take the call, but don't you think you've given her the impression that she can call anytime she wants and get on the air? Uh, well, I, well, I know a lot of listeners might be feeling a bit slighted as they too would like to call in and get on the air too. But you don't take very many calls. And I don't think it's going to happen. She's on almost every week. Oh. Well, she's my mom. What am I supposed to do? Just, uh, just put her through, and I'll get her off the air quickly. Uh, whatever. Okay, here she is. Spud, are you there? Yeah, 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 Mom, I'm here. You don't have to yell. Yeah. So I was listening off and on to tonight's show, and I had to know if I heard you correctly. Did you say on the air that you are practicing adult abstinence? Well, Tell me I didn't hear that, as I've been waiting many, many years for my first grandchild from the son I almost died giving birth to. Spud, at your age, the last thing you need to be doing is practicing abstinence. Uh, Mrs. Goodman, I think you misunderstood what we're talking about tonight, though abstinence at any age outside of marriage is something we should all strive for. Shut up. And that was that in turn again, right? No, them to suck a suck at it. Yeah. So, oh. you, you do know women in your age range are interested in dating a man who is up to satisfying them, right? I don't want to sound all Gloria Steinem right now, but women have needs, bud, and if you aren't willing to step up and meet them, then some other man will do. Someone needs to slap some sense into okay, you. Okay, Mom, Mom, calm down, calm down. <laughs> I am not practicing adult absence, okay? Uh, we were discussing the situation with, you know, Russell Wilson from the Seahawks has with his girlfriend, Sierra. Sierra? Oh, I love her music. You mean she is refusing really? to sleep with that quarterback until marriage? Well, that approach did work in the 50s, but this is a new day. She must be okay. one confident woman given the lifestyle of pro football players. No, from what I heard, this one's all on Russell. He evidently wants yeah. to take it slow, I guess. Oh, uh, well, just because he is a wonderful person, a great football player, and a turtle hottie, please do not try and follow his example. He's, what, 27 years old? Spud, you are not 27 years old. Yes, I know this, Mom. Today is one less opportunity for me to hold your firstborn child. The clock has stopped ticking, Spud. Okay, it okay. So you need to get on with things. Marriage is nice, but one of the seniors I know, almost all of them, are shacking up together rather than getting hitched. Too many hassles with the wills and things. Okay, good call, yo. Mom, all I can tell you is I'm trying as hard as I can to find a woman who will sleep with me. I'm not Russell Wilson, okay? I do like him, but we are different people. Oh, so true, Spud. I, I was thinking, maybe you should at least buy a few bottles of that bubble water he's endorsed. Uh, I've heard the benefits are amazing. No, I mean, if it, if it was an aphrodisiac, maybe, but I don't get many concussions hosting mm. a radio show, you know? Hey, Mom, I gotta go now. I, I will drop by Sunday, though, for sure, I promise, okay? Well, all right, but when you come by, don't forget to set the time back to standard time on my VCR. Right. That our office really messed up my viewing habits. All right, sure thing. I will absolutely. Okay, bye. Love you. Love you, too. Toodles. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye, she's, Mrs. She's Goodman. already hung up, man. Oh, right. Okay. Well, uh, Spud, I think you are doing a real service to the listeners. Your mom sure wanted you to have kids, huh, Spud? I'm hoping yeah. my mom won't bug me about the issue, too, after our wedding. Dorothy and I are still discussing the pros and cons of having kids. If you need any more cons, uh, let me know, as I can give you a couple hundred. I am pregnant. Yeah, as pro-family as I am, Chance, I also might want to add a word of caution to you, too, about 
uh, exploring parenthood. I mean, the clock might be working against you, at least one of you on that one. Yeah, well, anyway. all right. I, I guess we're going to play more of the discussion in the studio about the topic of abstinence. Uh, so, Dave, uh, run, uh, yeah, cue it. You are doing a real service to the listening public tonight by bringing up the topic of adult abstinence. You just don't hear other shows talking about this subject these days. Yeah, it's probably because they, they want to stay on the air. It's ratings death, man. Well, I, 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 I can really assure wanna... you there are many, many people besides the quarterback of the Seahawks who share this belief. But I think most of those people might reside in that sandy part of the world though oh. in pretty yes much, I, mean, I don't know don't they do like a those arranged marriages like at 13 or 14 it's pretty disgusting and you know so they should remain abstinent there until well after marriage like many years down the road maybe they're into their 40s 50s if then at all i mean your parents are in yeah over there they're just basically pimping you out well i, I was actually i was referring to western culture spud and, and let me say the act of abstinence should go beyond just the physical act. Look, why do I feel like I'm now in a 7th grade health class? You creep me out just like my old health teacher, Mr. Carlson did. Especially when he showed those slides of, you know, male body parts up on the the projector thing. I gotta tell you, I wouldn't know much about that as we did not have sex education instruction in the private school I attended. That was something better left to the parents at home and not an educational setting. What the hell, yo? I kind of agree, but I remember asking all of my friends in high school if their parents ever sat them down and, and laid out the having a baby thing, and all of them said... No, other than having, you know, a few of them had pamphlets tossed at them. So Hmm. no matter how uncomfortable it got in health class, it was actually, looking back, probably a pretty good call for them to at least go over the basics. Well, and let's not just limit abstinence to sexual behavior. There are many other things that waiting until the right time is the wise choice. Like, for instance, going to a rock and roll concert. What? I know raising our kids, my wife and I feel 18 is the appropriate age for someone to attend their first rock and roll show. Gerald. Well... Before that, they could be exposed to things that could cause permanent damage. Okay, okay that's totally whacked. They're not ready that's for it. That's totally whacked. Every kid should have a chance to see the band or singer that they're into when they come to their area. With mm. your approach, it would have taken the Beatles another decade or so to hit it big. Well, if it's worth it, waiting will make it that much more special when that first concert is experienced. You must be a huge buzzkill on like Christmas Eve, dude. I, don't uh, think I, bet, so. I bet you make your kids wait until like around 10 a.m. or so on Christmas morning to open their presents. Well, Yes, we do have a set of rules for yeah, Christmas okay, morning. Right. Yes, yeah. everything has an order to it, Spud. Yeah. Tonight, but, you know, a Kelly File exclusive. If I was your kid, I would call the cops on you, but well, let's oh. just check and see if our next guest is waiting, okay? I got to go. Here. Oh, yeah. Let's all go. right, all right. Uh, all three of your kids are still under 18 years uh, of age, correct? Yes, that is correct. And none of them have ever gone to a concert? Oh, well, we as a family have attended many string concerts at our church. They're so much fun for everyone. Uh, everyone? You, you mean except for the kids being yeah, forced no. to be there with their parents? Yes! Yeah. What a monster you are as a parent, Gerald. I went to my first concert at like seven or eight. It was poison. My mom was a bit of a hairband fan in those days. I'll make note of that, Chance. Uh, yeah. Uh, So let's move on to my interview with actor-director Colin Hanks. Yeah, he is the son of Tom Hanks, uh, but he has firmly established himself in both film and TV. This one he directed, this this film uh, that I'm that I you know spoke to him about, and it's a really really good documentary about Tower Records. I was thinking the other day about how much money over the years I spent at Tower Records. I have no regrets, but uh, I don't think I could have spent much more. Uh, and it still didn't keep them open. So there's, there's knowing that I did all I could do. Uh, yeah. So uh, Dave run the interview. All right, please welcome actor and now director Colin Hanks to the show. Thanks for calling in tonight. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Right. Okay. Your directorial debut, the documentary, all things must pass is now being released across the country. People need to check their local listings where the film is playing in their city. And I might add it has received amazing reviews. Yeah, no, it's been it's been going really, really great. I got I I I love the response the film's got, and uh, luckily we you know we've been playing in theaters around the country, and uh, the people that have been uh, seeing it have been just singing its praises, which is great. If, if you want to know, you go to TowerRecordsMovie.com uh, to find out if it's playing near you, and and let us know uh, your thoughts when you see it. 
Super. Well, the subject matter of the of this uh, film, the rise and fall of Tower Records, hits a soft spot for me, Spud Goodman. Uh, personally, as I've spent many man hours hanging out at Tower Records stores and happily spent a buttload of money there. Was what was it that motivated you, you, Colin Hanks, to jump into this project? Well, I spent a lot of time uh, growing up uh, going to Tower Records. I grew up in Sacramento, California, where Tower was founded and based. And so it was always a point of civic pride. The Tower was from my hometown. And so I spent, you know, a lot of, a lot of hours growing up uh, going through bins at Tower trying to find that that one tape, that one CD, uh, you know, that was going to change my life. And so um, when the stores were closing, it was obviously sort of a bummer. It sort of felt like, uh, you know, a little bit of my childhood was going away. Um, and uh, I found out about Russ Solomon, the founder, how he got into the business. He started selling used 78s out of his father's drugstore in 1941. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. I just said, wow, if that guy starts uh, in 1941 and then he closes 192 stores around the world in 2006, that's a pretty incredible journey. There, there must be a story there. And so I, I you know, sort of got digging and, and, and started learning as much as I could about, about Russ and about Tower and uh, everything I learned. I just found to be completely fascinating and, and, and very, uh, very engaging, very interesting. And, and that really sort of set me off on, on my journey. All right, super. Well, your father, Tom Hanks, and yes, I had to at least toss out that factoid for those who have been unplugged from civilization for many years, uh, but, but as he dir has directed eight films himself, did, did he ever poke his head into the editing room and give you any input? Because I bet he spent a lot of quality time at Tower Records, too. Uh, yeah, no, he didn't. Uh, he didn't really focus head in. I showed him a cut of the film at one point and, and asked for some notes, which he gave. Uh, but at that point, the film was pretty much uh, uh, already assembled by that point. So he, he gave me a couple of notes. I maybe addressed two of them <laughs> and ignored the others, and that was it. All right, super. You know, I was thinking if they ever held a reunion of all former Tower Record employees still alive, they'd need to book every hotel in Vegas to accommodate them. Any guess on how many people over the years worked for Russ Solomon? Well, we had a big reunion um, for the opening of the movie in Sacramento a few weeks ago. Um, we re we basically took over the Tower Theater there in Sacramento, where it all sort of started. And we they had probably about maybe five to six hundred employees that were able to come out um, for a little reunion. Um, I mean, it's it's a large uh, large group of people. Uh, you know, in, if we're going to include even the people that maybe only worked at Tower for a summer. One summer, you know, albeit probably the best summer of their lives. Right. Um, you were probably looking at upwards of over 100,000 people. My God. All right. Well, hey, Dave Grohl is a former employee and is in the movie, right? Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. That was one of the big reasons why we wanted to speak with him, because he worked at the uh, uh, Tower Records over in D.C. All right, super. Excuse me, Spud. Yes? Well, I have never frequented a Tower Records, so this topic is very new to me. Did those stores sell 45s and albums? Yes, they sold music in a variety of formats. Well, you know, I know you're dead set against me jumping in here, but I am yeah. such a big fan of Colin, and, and of course his dad, too. I would just love to ask him if, when he was growing up, if maybe Tom Hanks ever No, died. it's not going to happen. Colin's people laid down the law that no other voice other than mine on the air with him would be acceptable to them. I don't believe you, Spud. Colin Hanks' what? representatives did not say anything about that. You're joking, right? Joking? No. Uh, did I maybe make that up? I mean, that remains to be seen, but I am the host here, so let me get back to the interview. Uh, excuse me. Hey, what? Colin, my wife and I loved you in NCIS. If you can hear me, give my best look, to your dad. Look, look. Okay. You know, so we bring the mics down when you cut in. He can't hear you, but if you think you can get away with going rogue here, you're mistaken. I will deal with this transgression later. Hey. I'm very sorry about my outburst. Yeah, you should be. I don't know what came over me. I find myself getting so frustrated just sitting here, interview after interview, not being able to add any witty comments. I'm very witty, Spud. Very witty. Just don't let it happen again. You got that? I, no, I won't. I promise you. Get back to Colin. I will. Hey, I'm back, Colin. Sorry for that. I just needed a second to return a, a text to my mom. No worries. She was having problems with her remote control again. Happens all the time. My apologies. Okay. Well, Colin, now that you have succeeded in your first effort at directing a movie, do you see yourself going all Michael Bay and doing a, some $200 million action flick with tons of slow motion and explosions and showy special effects? That would be tempting if it was me. 
Uh, I'll definitely take a film with that budget, but I don't want to have to blow a whole bunch of stuff up. I'll just go and make 10 documentaries. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Wise, wise call. Uh, moving on to TV, you're also now starring in a CBS sitcom, Life in Pieces, airing Thursday nights at 8.30, 7.30 Central. You guys must be doing something right, as the network recently ordered a full season of episodes, and that is as rare now as finding a local record store still around. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, but they still exist. That's the thing about record stores. They still exist, and some shows still do get picked up for a full season. I'm very lucky. I've, seen, I've seemingly found a twofer in some way, shape, or form. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm loving the show. It's a, really, it's a really fun show to make. It's got an incredible cast, a really, really funny cast. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really glad that people are enjoying the show as much as they are. Do you, do you find doing a network production much different than your experience with the FX series Fargo, which... I don't want to sound like a kiss-ass here, but you were fabulous in. Oh, thank you very much. No, uh, you know, it's just different. It, it's the difference between uh, playing a, 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 a jazz or, or, or playing punk rock. It, it's just a little bit of a different thing, but it's still music. It's still the same thing. And so, uh, you know, I, I just try and have as much fun as I can doing the work. And luckily, uh, you know, Fargo was, was fun in its own way, and as is Life in Pieces. All right. Well, as far as future stuff, you have a film coming out in 2016 that sounds like pretty much the coolest movie ever made or at least the title gives me hope of that Elvis and Nixon is it top secret or because I can be trusted to keep this thing off the record any, any info on that? <laughs> no it's a it's a very it's a very funny movie with uh, with Kevin uh, Spacey and Michael Shannon uh, who play uh, Nixon and Elvis uh, respectively and uh, it's all about that photo that famous photo yeah. of, of yeah. Elvis and Nixon in the White House and uh, it's sort of a, a retelling of, of, of how that transpired as well as you know, uh, some 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 fun uh, of elaborating on what could have possibly happened uh, between those two during that meeting. It, it, it's a, it's a fun movie. All right, uh, you got anything off those tapes that maybe give you some background on? I mean, this 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 did happen. I just wanted to throw that out. I'm I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. I'm looking forward to seeing the film. All right, well, last question. Last question, Colin. Uh, I know you're a busy, man. Uh, you're a known sports guy. So, what has been your most memorable moment to this point as a fan? Because you're a fan. I am, yeah. You know, I've been uh, pretty fortunate the last uh, five years or so because my my two teams, the uh, the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Kings, uh, have won uh, championships, uh, yes. five of them between the two of them, yes. uh, which has been pretty incredible. Um, but uh, I will say, uh, uh, you know, when the Kings finally won that Stanley Cup, that was a that was a very big thing because that was my first that was my first passion. That was the first team that I, I truly you know obsessed over as a kid. And being able to watch that happen live was uh, was a pretty in- incredible uh, feeling. Uh, and luckily, I got to experience it a couple of times. And then I got to experience it with my Giants as well in baseball. So it's fun when your teams uh, finally win the whole thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a special feeling, that's for sure. Yeah, you've been kind of spoiled, but I'll let it go at that. You're a lucky man. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> once again, your film, the highly acclaimed documentary, All Things Must Pass, is now being released across the country. So everyone, check your local theaters for further information. I appreciate you very much checking in with us tonight. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Mr. Colin Hanks. I got a job at Tire Records because that's the only place I could get a job with my f***ing haircut. That is the truth. <laughs> the largest record store in the universe is Tower Records. Tower Records had everything. They were like friends. If you came into town, you went to Tower Records. Tower was the center of it all. San Francisco. New York. Japan. London. Revenues of a billion dollars. The whole thing became a phenomenon. Tower was like the place to work at. We had no dress code. There was always a party atmosphere. And even if you threw up, you had to show up. can only imagine the issues Colin has to go through following in the footsteps of his father, Tom Hanks. It, you know, I've worried about my oldest, uh, Gerald Jr., having to deal with this same problem in a few years when he's out on his own tr- trying to establish himself. I think he'll run up against my legacy and, well, I hope it won't stunt his development career-wise. How would your career as a temporary co-host on an admittedly dinky 
radio show and now a dinkier podcast, you know, along, along with your other gig that you have as a carpet and linoleum salesman. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Uh, set the bar so high that your kid is burdened by it. You know, topping you will be a pretty darn easy, easy lift for the kid, don't you think? I mean, come well, on. It, first off, it's temporary, permanent co-host. Yeah, well, whatever. Well, I, ha- I have to say, I think Gerald Jr. will be just fine. You actually have made things much easier for him than you think, Gerald. Not that it was deliberate or anything. I've met your son. And I think it will be you that will have to adjust to his success. He is really bright and personable. He definitely took, you know, after his mother, dude, let's just, let's be real here. I mean, he's going places down the road. I've been impressed with him. Well, I sincerely hope so, but I'll always be aware of the challenges he faces being Gerald Holcomb Jr. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. Okay, now we'll be going to a poem by Poetry Man. This one's titled Netflix. Netflix. I love Netflix with all my heart. It always gives my day such a great start. I wake up early to watch before I go to my job at Kmart. If I can't watch a whole movie, at least I can see a part. I truly love Netflix with all my heart, but it would be nice if they put on more movies with naked women. It's just a suggestion. As low-key as Poetry Man seems when when you hang out with him, you know, or when he's here in the studio, I guess the guy's a bit of a horn dog. Uh, he does like naked people in the movies he watches. That's yeah, that's a for well, sure. Really, I don't mind movies with erotic scenes. There's nothing wrong with that, but it annoys the hell out of me when it's only a beautiful young woman and they never show enough nudity of the man in the scene. At least, not the interesting parts. Well, what is the question? Uh, Mrs. Jarvis, that off-color joke, that's a little bit over the top. <laughs> I wasn't joking. It sucks that male nudity in movies is so rare when there is the required naked scene with every non-superstar actresses on her way up in the film industry. Uh, Let's have a little equity on this. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't have a problem looking at naked dudes in movies. I mean, I go to the YMCA all the time and the shower's full of them. It's often, yeah, not a pretty sight, but well, you know, whatever. So right now we're going to, you know, play a segment with a caller who I remember as being torqued about the possibility of abstinence catching on in the dating world. He has his own issues. He had his own issues, I guess, about that. Uh, Dave, hit it. Spud, yeah, we have a call holding. I don't think it's another celebrity guest, and unless they're calling in just to say hey. No, I, I'm I'm getting word. The, the, the board is telling me it's a guy who wants to speak to you about what we've been talking about tonight. Well, we've been talking about a whole bunch of stuff here. I mean, can you be more specific? Well, I can just drop the call. No, no, no. Just just put it through. We have a minute here to kill. Call, are you there? Yes. Is this Spud? Uh, that's affirmative. I that, just that wanted yes. to call in and say there are many guys like me who are abstinent, too. Okay. We may not be quarterbacks in the NFL, but we are members of the human community. And have needs, too. So... What the hell, Joe? How long have you chosen to be abstinent, if I could ask that? Chosen? Well, yeah. kind of personal, but it will be 11 years next month, and it's been my decision for sure. Wow. That's- it's been your decision? So you've decided to be celibate for 11 years? I don't know. You might want to rethink that one. Well, that's why I'm calling in. I have read about some famous people who may be trying to make this a popular fad or something by publicizing their stance on not having sex. Right. Okay. A while back, I, I had to deal with that Jonas kid spouting off about how great this idea is. This is not going to help guys like me at all. So I am speaking up as best as I can. Right. Okay. Last week, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, last week I, I called into a public access show on human sexuality. Hmm. Oh, that's super, I guess. Is that, it was is mostly that... softcore porn, but I, I told the host my feelings that if this thing catches on, I will be going on, going to my grave, celibate, and that would be a tragedy in my opinion. I don't, I don't, yes. know, about, I don't know about a tragedy, but I, I get where you're coming from. You're, you know, I, too, am not crazy about this trend sweeping the nation. It's, just, it's no secret my sex life sucks, too. I mean, nowhere near as bad as yours, for sure. 11 years, that's a seriously long dry streak. I feel your pain. Uh, caller, if I can interject, I think it's much wiser to wait until marriage before consummating a relationship. Trust me on this one. Who is that dweeb? No, no, it's, it's, it's not, well, I don't know. It's my temporary co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Courtney, Chloe. That's a, a temporary permanent co-host, well, but yeah. uh, Caller, I just feel if you have this whole thing kind of backwards, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes that mind-blowing sex life with your wife, of course. That's so hot. Well, I've tried the mail-order bride angle, but I don't make enough for enough money for uh, the women listed, you know, mostly oh. from East, that are they're from Eastern Europe. Okay, now. yeah, okay. And this I blame Donald here. Trump myself. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Are you? Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Because I got to get going here. No, 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 no. So, 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 can you explain why Russell Wilson would try and block off us single guys trying to develop a social life with women in this country by playing this up? It's it's hard enough finding a woman these days, but. Now they're thinking that this is the, the next hot thing. Jeez, why, why couldn't he just keep this situation to himself? I, don't I myself don't, don't date super star singers or models. Right. You know, I mean, come on. I'm not interested in some flashy woman. All I want is to meet someone who will have sex with me. Is that too much to ask? Um, well, that's been my question for years. And, uh, I mean, I have had some luck with ChristianMingle.com, but not much. Hey, they're, they're okay, fine. They're, we, we are out of time for sure. All I can say is stay positive and hope that this new thing, like, fades away, like maybe like Beanie Babies or Waterbeds. I mean, everything fades at some time. So got to go, and thanks for calling in, I guess. But he did sort of depress me, actually, uh, think about it. But mm. anyway. You know, you know, but I'm sure someday he will meet that uh, someone special, settle down, have a family, and then... That guy sounded really pitiful. I hope he's gotten laid since back then in 2015. Because if not, now his streak would be over 19 years. Just wow. Well, I sure hope that gentleman who called in was able to meet someone special and get married. As that is the ticket to a lifetime of wonderfully satisfying sexual activity. Yeah, I'm just going to let that go as, as we need to play the closing segment of the wow. abstinence episode. I mean, I just, yeah, I'm just not going to challenge that right now. Uh, I didn't really realize that this topic, you know, of abstinence was even a thing really until after the show. I, I gave it a lot of thought afterwards, you know, and thank God it never did catch on, at least as far as I'm aware of. Well, sometimes love accelerates the timetable of a romantic relationship. You know, hormones always want to drive the car. And I want to say that even though Dorothy drives me most places, I do have a learner's permit now, and I do plan to get my license right before the wedding. You know, so I can drive us on our honeymoon. Oh, sweetie, don't feel any pressure to get your license to handle the driving on our honeymoon. No worries, I like to drive. Chance, don't, don't mess with a good thing. If I had a personal driver for free, I would love it. Uh, you know, put off getting a license as long as you can. That's my advice. Uh, Dave, run the concluding studio discussion, if you would, all right? Band was playing. Can you imagine how bummed out Russell Wilson will be if Sierra breaks up with him before the wedding night? I mean, it was his damn idea. And after how many months or years waiting, when bam, the stupidity of this thing hits him, and he can't even throw a challenge flag to get a do-over. Mm. That would be like going to see a movie, hoping with all your heart for an exciting payoff in the last few minutes, as it turned out to be kind of boring up to that point, and suddenly it just ends, and the credits start up. Oh, nonsense. Russell will still have wonderful memories of their relationship. and Yeah, but not the memory that will stay with him to the day he kicks the bucket. Have you seen Sierra? Spud, I feel you're being rather shallow in your take on this. I, I, 
am shallow. I'm a guy. And if I was a woman dating me, okay, I could easily see why they might want to wait until marriage before having to seal the deal. I get that. Well, but my wife feels that sex is highly overrated in a marriage. Gerald. And it, and it belongs at the bottom of a top 10 list for couples. She, you know, that, that was funny. It's not funny because she or, or we feel that there are so many more important areas of interest to build a relationship on. Like game night. Often when the kids go to bed, we break out the Yahtzee game and we can lose ourselves for hours. Boy, it can get very competitive, but it's also satisfying too. Yeah, but uh, okay, I don't mind playing some games, but that's not even close to being in my top 10 list. I mean, truth be told, I am horrible at Yahtzee because you got to keep score and it involves math and that's a deal breaker for me. I just, it's not my skill. But can I make a suggestion? I can round up, but people get pissed when they round up. Well, there's a little math, but listen, the next time you go on a date, make a mental note that you will delay any type of physical gratification until you have entered into a firmly committed type of No, 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 no. Uh, you're assuming, first of all, that I make those decisions. You know, maybe it was well, Russell's call with Sierra. I mean, I no know. one really knows, but I can assure you uh, on that issue, it's never my call, all right? Anyway, I'm just being honest here. I just, I was very honest, too honest probably. Anyway, now they're saying I got to say goodnight. So, uh... I guess we'll never know how Russell Wilson's wedding night went and whether it was worth the wait or not. Uh, that's between he and Sierra, uh, I guess. But, but you know, but myself, I always say, this is, and people know, I've, I've said this publicly, always sample before making major purchases, you know, like a, on a trial basis. It just makes common sense. And it only makes common sense. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure Russell felt very good about his decision on their eventful night. It's always better to wait as it's so much more special. There's a reason that at least my generation follows this tradition in their lives. Uh, on other traditions, I really think when you baby boomers clear out and let us Gen Zers take over, well, we plan on doing things a lot different than you guys have done so far. Talk about a lost generation. It's going to take a while to clean up the mess you guys left us. Well, I'm with you, babe. I'm embarrassed to be part of the baby boomer generation. We ignored climate change. We made sure to close the door behind us as we made our way up the economic ladder. And, of course, we gave the world Donald Trump. I love the poorly educated. Yeah, and I'm going to go to my grave knowing that my generation will always be remembered for that black mark in history. Uh, maybe in a couple centuries we'll be forgiven. I don't think so. I don't think so. Don't you guys worry about the legacy of Donald Trump, the greatest president in the history of the world? In that respect, <laughs> baby boomers will be, that's true, baby boomers will be thanked for centuries to come for the great wisdom he brought us all. These guys, they make millions of dollars. They're smart as hell. So I guess I should end this episode now before I really, really puke. Uh, I, and I also have to pee really badly. Okay, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. And I am hungry, so can we go somewhere right now, Dorothy? Oh, sure, honey. We can stop somewhere on the way home. I know you're still growing and need those calories to keep you strong. Yeah, I think I grew a quarter of an inch this month, or maybe it's the shoes I was wearing. I'll measure again in my socks, but let's go. Goodbye, everyone. The Spud Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Video director, TJ Pites. On-air talent, Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan. Production assistants, Trent Botello and Carrie Coleman. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.
Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.